Speaking of deep cuts. Hey! Presumably it's a deep cut. <laughs> ladies. What? Everything just becomes creepier if you add ladies to the end of it. Okay. Yeah. I'm not going to argue with that. Help! Help! I'm trapped down this well and I can't get back up! Ladies. Ladies. <laughs> One thing I know is this, your mouth is telling me to give you a big kiss. Mwah! We are Hottest 100s and Thousands, and we have taken control of your radio station. This is the podcast in which we talk about the songs that have been deemed hot enough to be in the Triple J Hottest 100. My name is David James Young, I'm one of the four voices you're going to be hearing for the next hour or so. Joining me once again is Andrew McDonald. Yes it is. Oh yeah. And Nathan Harrison. Mwah. Mm-hmm, mm, I felt that. Adam Buncher. I'm just wiping my cheeks. <laughs> the ones on my uh, face. Getting all the slob <laughs> off. It's pretty gross. <laughs> I don't think this is not a visual one. medium. Yeah. You know? <laughs> what are you wearing? <laughs> black. Ooh. Radio clothes. Now we're talking. I mean, everyone's wearing black except black. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so uncool. Well, through the magic of radio, you too are wearing black. No, I'm not. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> you can hear it. <laughs> That badass, like, Prince jacket is fucking amazing with the no. Revolution logo on the back. <laughs> Don't lie. <laughs> yeah, David, it sucks. Nathan. Yeah, we've, ne- <laughs> we've, ne- we have never lied about Nathan's appearance or his characteristics in the no, past. Never. Everything we've told his, you was his true. His passion he's, for dank weed. Yeah, his raver days, just everything. What, you're in the circus at one point as well. Yeah. And, and that child you have. Yeah, <laughs> Jeff. <laughs> what a boy. What a good boy. He off. Oh, he, boy he, he for the come. ages. <laughs> he come. Dat child. <laughs> oh, shit. Dat real child. Great thing to say while your wife is giving birth. <laughs> Here he come. Dat child. <laughs> oh, and shit. So, what and somehow now the child has a unicycle. <laughs> You'd have to keep the meme alive for, like... Yeah, well, it's already dead. Well, <laughs> yeah. The minimum time that, like, anyone in this room would have to keep it up, aside from Nathan... <laughs> Is, is nine months. Is at least nine if months. It's still today, really yeah, hard. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think you just get a lot of glares from the doctor and 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 everyone in the room. They're like, "Are you kidding?" Like, like that meme is so you, dead. You compare, yeah. you compare a bit of that baby with my wife. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So oh, we're here to talk about music. You go to leave and like child support are there. So I'm not sure you're fit to be a father. <laughs> Welcome to hottest memes. <laughs> well. We're kicking off with a very, very interesting prospect, people. This is the first time that we are talking about a song for the second time by a different artist. It's weird that we have to make that simulation. Yeah, I know. <laughs> We're not talking about the same song in, like, exactly that song. Thanks, Live. Oh. <laughs> yeah, thanks, thanks <laughs> but, Live. But this is like, live is the new Obama. Because... <laughs> We're going to do this a lot once, um, like, a version kicks in. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, What's this song, David? Well, this song is by Live. It's called... No, it's... <laughs> it's I Alone. <laughs> oh, my For God! For the third year in a row. <laughs> Cario the champ, I Alone. Oh, the that, car. If the internet was around, that would have been a tight thing to have started, just to keep voting in I Alone. <laughs> the poor vote count has been like, fuck, now it's up to number 12 this year. <laughs> It's not too late to bring it back. We can keep that boy alive. We can bring back I Alone. Yeah, Every year someone else yeah. does I Alone for yeah. like a version. Yeah, but then like, oh. but then one year KFC promotes it. Everyone's like, no, oh, no, it's a corporate yes. thing. All right. So, so we just have to become Triple J darlings enough to get invited to do a like a version where we yeah. do I Alone. Yes. Setting the precedent. Yeah. Yeah, baby. We need, well, we've come up with so many band names throughout the course of this podcast. That's true. <laughs> we just need to start a band. Okay. And then decide on a name. Yeah. And then we need to have paralysis. we need to have an original song. We can't just go in and do I alone. Damn. <laughs> we do I alone in French. <laughs> <laughs> they don't even know. I was, about, is that, I was about to like use my extensive knowledge of world languages to translate I alone to French, but then I just came up with Je suis seul. Je suis seul. Really? Yeah. Well, I, I'd probably I am alone. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> But with so many I alones in the countdowns, they'll never be alone. <laughs> um, what's the song, David? <laughs> well, uh, this is by Taylor Swift. No! Uh, what's it? <laughs> it's called I Alone. 
I don't think we're ever going to talk about this song. What's this the song, look, David? Mean, this song is... All right, all right, you got me. At number you... 95. This, this is Frank Bennett. This is Frank Bennett with a song you might know called Creep. Whenever your phone could look you in the eye, you're just like an angel. Skin makes me cry. You float like a feather in a beautiful world. So very special. I wish I was special, but I'm a creep. I'm a weirdo. What the hell am I? Mr. Frank Bennett in at number 95 in the 1996 Hottest 100. Uh, that is his version of Creep by Radiohead, which came in at number two, I believe, in the 1993 Hottest 100. Mm-hmm. Swiftly defeated in battle by your friend and mine, Mr. Dennis Leary. Uh, speaking of assholes, Nathan, what do you think of this song? Are you fucking kidding me? He gets the first line wrong. What? He really? says, when it, whenever you phoned, whenever you phone. I couldn't look you in the eye, which A, isn't the line. B, doesn't make sense. Like, of course, you can't look someone in the eye when they phone you. That's how phones work, Frank Bennett. Like, it doesn't sound better either. Why is the line different? Huh. Why is the line different? <laughs> Who would make that choice? I, re- I reckon he fucked it up, and they were just like, let's just keep it in. It's not the line of the song, and it's not an improvement to change it. I'm aware. <laughs> Why does it say whenever you phoned? It's is truly, so bad. This is truly the song's greatest fault. <laughs> oh, but I just can't, like... There's a reason Radiohead didn't write the line, whenever you phoned, I couldn't look you in the eye. <laughs> I completely didn't even, but I was, I was focused on the other things. The subtitles are ho- hard-coded into the video clip. You can't escape it. Like, he's not even trying to hide it. This huge mistake that somehow made it through to production. The the, the image of, like, the, the moment of you watching this for the first time and then seeing the word phone and there's, like, the slow zoom. <laughs> and then, like, the kill bill. <laughs> I second-guessed myself. I was like, surely that's not the... Like, I had to check. Because, like, why would why would that be the line? I don't know. I wish I had answers for this you. This is so bad. Like, novelty lounge covers are trash to begin with, and everyone needs to grow up and grow out of them. But this is terrible, and I'm just so mad. Why is the line different? <laughs> okay, okay. Well, I mean, I'll, I'll relieve you somewhat. You can't. <laughs> no one can. But just on the, on the idea of lounge covers being... From what I can tell, this was... This was an early... Really early? Yeah, way he an, pre He was an James. innovator of, of the terrible form that is novelty lounge yeah. covers. I did it's, spend... It's real proto-cheese. I did spend some time Googling lounge covers, which doesn't... Upholstery. <laughs> yeah, it's just... In, a, in, it's incognito, just, though, right? Yeah. You don't want that shit in your search history. <laughs> I also tried searching for swing covers. Also, not oh, music. <laughs> it's just covers for swings. And, like, just trying to find out, because this... Okay, we're in 1996 now album of that year and I certainly don't know about you guys but the only other person who I can think of who's a major player in the lounge cover scene is Mr. Richard Cheese whose first album came out in 2000s now he may still have been kicking around and doing some stuff previous to you know actual official recorded album in 2000 but certainly you'd have to say that you know four years previous to that Mr. Frank Bennett is getting in pretty early this was also in the Lockstock soundtrack and yeah. film. Uh, oh, Lockstock and Two Smoky yeah, yeah, which is probably why a lot yeah, of people right. were fond of it. Was that and, and I can film? concede that a weird cover of a well-known song can be effective in a movie, even if the cover is shit. 
which this one is. It's funny that Richard Cheese also does a version of Creep as well. Oh, does he? Yeah. But I'm a creep. I'm a weirdo. Yeah, what? it's right. so weird that these novelty lounge cover artists are like scraping the barrel for ideas. Oh, I'm going to do this thing. One other person in the history of the world has also done it. I'll just do the song that they did and got popular from. <laughs> I won't think of something new to do because I clearly can't because look what choices I'm making in my life. I'm a swing cover I'm, I'm going to find that Richard Cheese cover to see if he gets the first line right. Yeah, that'll be... Actually, yes, please. And then the question is, if he doesn't, is he just, you know, attributing the originator, Mr. Frank Bennett? <laughs> oh, God. I, I well, think I'm mad be- either way. <laughs> when you were here before. Yeah, uh, but I, I think that this... Because I knew it from Lockstock. Yeah. So when I heard it, I wasn't thinking this is the garbage that it probably is. Yeah. Like, like anybody who is certainly a person like me, I only have so much time for <laughs> novelty covers. Yeah. yeah. And like, whilst this isn't like necessarily, like I'm sure Frank Bennett would, would argue that he's not a novelty artist. He's just a, a big band swing artist. He's won an aria. Yeah. Yeah. Like he, he, but not for yeah, this. That was, that was fun to find out that he was Australian. No, yeah. no, no, noticeably, he didn't win an aria for this. He won an aria in a future Blues and Roots project yeah. that he uh, went on to be a part of. Like, I'm sure he and Richard Cheese probably less likely. He would accept novelty as he seems like that. He's calling himself yeah. Dick Cheese. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Whereas Frank novel. Bennett, yeah. you know how Frank Bennett got his name? Frank Sinatra and Richie Bennett. Tony, Tony Bennett. <laughs> <laughs> Not Richie Bennett. We've just been espousing how much novelty covers suck, but if anyone <laughs> can do a good <laughs> Richie Bennett impression <laughs> of Frank Sinatra songs, like... I'll, I'll spend five bucks on that on Bandcamp. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. I'm not too proud to admit yeah. that. I it's did like, it my way and yeah. it was marvellous. <laughs> We're off to a great start. <laughs> morning, Rich. Morning, all. <laughs> yeah, like, there's Fly a... me away to the boundary. <laughs> <laughs> That's the album title. Yeah. Yeah. In terms of, like, novelty swing, big bandy, 40s and 50s covers go, like, the two minutes 50 that this has is as much time as I have for that genre. Oh, yeah. So it just wears out its welcome, like, by the end of it. It wears out the welcome of the genre. But as it goes, like, it's fine enough. Like, it's crap. But, like, I, I wasn't angry, like Nathan, listening to this track. Dude, it's pretty angry. Like, <laughs> just angry and baffled. Well, it's like, because the, the, uh, this artist, I'm not sure what Frank Bennett's real name is, presumably not Frank Bennett. Uh, his name weird. is David Ray. I'm, I'm sure David Ray's love of 40s and 50s music is genuine. Yeah, I'm totally. sure he's not like having a laugh at the expense of oh, those people joke you look how crap that music sounds with modern lyrics. I'm sure he does love this music, but like when it was done, I wasn't like I've got to give that a second listen to really get my thoughts yeah. together. I might have missed some things. Yeah, <laughs> there might be some like nuance or subtext. Did he really say phone? <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to launch a small counterpoint to this, and it goes back to what I was saying about um, him being one of the originators of this kind of style of, of cover or whatever, and also pick up on what you were saying, Andrew, about you know it being a genuine love. And I think that if you were at a point in 1996 where you had an awareness of contemporary music, but you also had a love of big band stuff, it's very, very hard, I imagine, to mount an original big band project and get any anywhere with it. I mean, certainly it's harder to do that than it is to take this kind of route and go like, you know what, this style of music that I genuinely love actually translates very well in taking what already exists and, and you know, putting it in a different context. And I think looking at it with that point of view in the context of it being more of an original idea than what we know of lounge covers today, um, just as a way of expressing a love for big band and and for lounge and for swing. And then thinking like, I don't know whether you guys can think back to the first time you ever heard a lounge cover. I got a little bit of an enjoyment out of it. Oh, yeah, the, the, look. It's I, hard. Mine, mine it's was, so hard. Mine was Richard Cheese doing a yeah. cover of People Equal Shit by Slipknot. People Equal Shit. Shit. Right, and like the first well, time... Well, I've heard Richard Cheese as well. I can't remember the song, but I certainly know that feeling of hear, hearing a novelty cover of like, a song. Oh, yeah, really yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, that's exactly it. Like, we can rattle off example after example after example of other lounge covers that we've heard. But if you, if you get back to the, like, the very first time, and I, I imagine for a lot of voters, this was that song. Like... When it actually was novel. The thing with novelty is that the freshness, you know, as soon as you open the bag, the timer starts. Yeah. You know what I mean? You, there's no, there's no resealable zip on. on that. Context is everything. 
in relation to this. And I and I think there's a there's quite a bit that you can forgive within context for this song. I I don't I don't hate it. I probably I think I don't know, David. How much do you hate it? Because I'm trying to figure out whether I'm least or second <laughs> or second least. least. <laughs> I don't know. Like I I can't bring myself to hate stuff like this just because it is so inoffensive one thing i do like is like the very like the slight changes that are made so like the run 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 bit is gone which is strange because you could knock Uh, that out of the park as a lounge singer (laughs) true um but there are like seven key changes and i find that kind of funny because that's kind of a nod to like how fucking big and obvious some like big band and lounge songs will like suddenly be like Da, 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 da. and it's just like oh right okay so like to to literally every other verse like change uh the key is kind of a knowing nod to being like yeah we do that right huh 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 am i right fellas am i right mm. is anyone curious what other songs came off the album that this one was off no. yes. oh, is it an album of lounge what, what, it's, it's, exclusively, no. it's exclusively covers yeah 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 so th- that's another thing i think that uh, this kind of thing has to its fucking detriment is that like when you set out to like if you were just a lounge singer and every album you do one or two contemporary covers sure that's yeah. what actual big band singers did mm. as well it, it wasn't out of a true for like frank sinatra to do a song that like one of his contemporaries had also done that was what yeah. the scene was but like if you're like a contemporary modernist singer and you're like oh you know what i'm gonna just be a cover artist but i'm doing them in swing style then it's a bit like but i guess again nice. like it, it's just, a small counterpoint to that as well like maybe it's just about casting a net like it goes back to what i'm saying is like you're trying to you're trying to get a fan base you're trying to get relevance what if people don't like radiohead what if they prefer pearl jam well no, cool you we got to still do that with jam. a few covers uh-huh. by, yeah, by not doing just, any original stuff you're just admitting that that musical style is in a rut and has no way forward but, and, 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 and that's 110% like, true yeah i don't think that's swing an unfair came point. back briefly in the 90s and we are all the better for forgetting it <laughs> But also, it's like daddy's folks. <laughs> but just casting like a wide net, like that's like, is that defense when I hear people be like, whenever I, who is hypercritically against commercials, when so, and I'm like, oh man, sucks that that band I like sold themselves out for an A and Z ad, and they were like, oh, you know, well, like it's that's just the climate of making music and that, and you got to like just do these things. It's like, yeah, well, like I sort of have to fucking respect it if you're going to be a corporate shill. Then not necessarily like Frank Bennett's a corporate shill. Obviously, he's like just probably a, a moderately hardworking big band singer who does crappy covers a lot of the time. Yeah, but just like casting a wide net, like yeah, sure, okay, like you're doing the most populist ideas, like that takes such lack of balls. It's it's actively asking for me to not respect it. I don't think that's an unfair point, and and also like I would be interested in hearing what an original Frank Bennett sounded yeah. like. So, you know, maybe maybe that's so Frank. We've abused your heaps. Cut us an original cut. <laughs> <laughs> Bring it back, man. But what else did he cover on the record? Uh, he did Better Man by Pearl Jam. The way you make me feel, Michael Jackson. He did a tricky track. Red Is right it the hand. One that said that we're really? All yeah, he did oh, red right hand. I will not look that up. No. Yeah. <laughs> uh, another uh, hottest hundreds and thousands alumni in the form of Black Stick by the Cruel Sea. Hey. Disarm by the Smashing Pumpkins. Uh, With or Without You by U2. Under the Bridge and Constant Craving by Katie Lang. It's a bit of a mixed bag. Hmm. That's, all, that's more or less the entire track list, by the way. Hmm. It's a mixed bag in the sense that if you get 12 people to shit in one plastic <laughs> bag and then jostle it around a bit and then say, hey, smell this different kind of shit in this bag. You're like, hmm, it does smell slightly different. <laughs> okay, I'm at half mask. Can we add a bit more shit? <laughs> Rough. Now, one final piece of trivia. I have not seen the classic 2000 Australian film, The Dish. Um, of course you in, haven't. I haven't. I, is I, he in it? He yeah. is. Is doing? he the dish? He's the... He's <laughs> <laughs> Quite the dish. Yeah, he's, he's just a really handsome dude. Oh, yeah. He's such a dish. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, he's in the dish. Uh, he's the singer who sounds, in quotes, a little like Frank Sinatra. Is that in the film? I don't know. I yes, it is. Oh, there you go. Time. He's that guy. Is that in the film? It's like it's clearly you're reading that it is. That'd be amazing if it wasn't. Adam's actually watching the dish right now. That's that's a very good thing to do on IMDb. Yeah, let's add Frank Bennett to all kinds of Australian movies. (laughs) Holy holy shit, that's happening. Yeah, that is definitely happening. He was in the castle. He was he was that like crooner busker guy. (laughs) Frank Bennett is Red Dog. (laughs) (laughs) Rough, rough. I'm Red Dog. 
red dog. Well, that's why they called it that. <laughs> Season four, episode two, hottest hundreds and thousands break the internet. Oh, Forcibly. We've broken our fucking brain. Over small periods Sweet of time. baby Jesus. At number 94, it's Pearl Jam with Mankind. at number 94 with Mankind uh, in the 1996 Hottest 100. Sadly, not a song about Mick Foley's uh, probably <laughs> best character. That, that is so very sad. Um, but uh, <laughs> thank, thankfully, my other favourite Pearl Jam songs, Cactus Jack and Dude Love, uh, <laughs> yeah, they, they managed to get their point across. Adam. Yes. You've been thrown off the top of the Hell in the Cell by The Undertaker. Uh, what are your thoughts on this song? I was ripped in half. Oh, it's God is my witness. Good God Almighty. Good God Almighty. Good God Almighty. They've killed him. They've killed him. He's bleeding. That was my, um, that was my king. Oh, Puppies. If no one's watched any professional wrestling, it just yeah. seemed like we just went mad. Oh, I have to make tea on that. <laughs> of course you do, you fucking casual. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that's a burn that will take home yeah. <laughs> that's something for the drive home professional wrestling casual up late at night crying as David said my interest in professional wrestling was only casual <laughs> it's actually less than that it's, it's less who would have thought the most loud and obnoxious member of the podcast would be a wrestling fan <laughs> alright so I either completely ignore the obvious or I bring it up front and centre and I think I'm going to go with that I miss Eddie Vedder, man. Yeah. <laughs> oh, um, yeah, gone too soon. Eddie, R.I.P. I'm glad after this song they realised their mistake and welcomed him back to the band. Yeah, okay, so I originally, when I put on this song, went, you know, like, wait, hang on. No, this is wrong. Eddie like, sounds bad. No, 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 I didn't even think that. I was like, this is the wrong song. This isn't Pearl Jam. <laughs> Let's zoom in on that straight away. It's like, without Eddie Vedder, it, to me, doesn't sound like, Pearl Jam. But also, I think even, like, structurally, this is a pretty straightforward pop rock song. Mm. Like, yeah. That's yeah, yeah, intentional. Yeah. yeah. It so, is. like, this is Pearl Jam in a pretty weird spot. Like, yeah, this true. is after all the Neil Young, Neil Young stuff. They had a really rough 1995 tour-wise. Eddie Vedder got stalked, yep. which was really intense. Whole bunch well, of other we, stuff. We discussed that because they couldn't actually go on tour with yeah, Neil Young yeah. because of all the stuff that was but going that, on at the time. that whole kind of period, like, nearly broke the band or whatever. And mm. then also, at this point, you know, grunge is kind of done. And they, you know, trying to define themselves as a band. They're probably the band of the the big four grunge bands that still has the most relevance. Yeah, this is them kind of really struggling to find something, which you know is where why you get uh, Stone Gossard. Yeah, uh, that's right. Doing a track, and even uh, first he time said, other than uh, Vetter, who uh, wrote lyrics and yeah, and, yeah. and did all that kind of and sung. Really, but even basically. Stone said this was him trying to write a pop song just to see if he could do that convincingly. And then all that stuff about you know you'll be going out with radio. And then all the chorus about being imitation, like that's what the song's about. It's kind of just what Pearl Jam are at this moment and how, how they can possibly be a band that can continue to do anything. I think that's interesting. Yeah. I mean, I, from what I can gather, No Code is kind of like the one hot minute for Pearl Jam. Um, yeah, I think that's a good... Less, less of a self-destruct. on this too, actually. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Damn it, Navarro. Um, <laughs> less of a self-destruct kind of button and more just kind of like, well, we, you know, we got evicted. Essentially, it's, mm. it's an eviction, trying to find a new house kind of album, you know, like what what are we now? And there's a huge period of experimentation 
going on, and and I think that comes I across. Think my thing that whenever a lot of bands who are relatively straightforward bands, like Pearl Jam, even at their best, they're not like an experimental group or anything. No, sure. When they stretch their arms out and say this, or look or look back on a period and say this was a period of experimentation, and the results are often songs like this, and it's like you experimented from being a pretty cool grunge band to being a pretty ordinary band. Yeah. Like that's not really yeah. like it, it reads like marketing PR to me when bands say we're going through a period of experimentation and it's the not experimentation so much as like discomfort yeah. and like and like a lack of direction I can see why sure I, I always enjoy it when bands change it up with the singer momentarily it's always a bit of fun when you listen to a record to have a different voice come in some way through the record and st- but Stone on its own Stone Gossard like he's a fine singer but like listening to this the biggest thing it does is drive home how much goddamn charisma and rock and roll swagger Eddie has like, I could not, not agree more not that nobody didn't already know that if you've heard any Pearl Jam you know that Eddie Vedder is the man but like yeah. you listen to a Pearl Jam song that doesn't have him and you're like fucking hell he's so vital yeah. Yeah. to the sound of Pearl if, Jam you know if, if this song is Pearl Jam trying to be like, what is Pearl Jam? The answer is Eddie Vedder. Yeah, kind of, like, yeah. It's it, uh, we don't know, but it's, it's definitely got Eddie Vedder because as a this is missing the biggest piece. Yeah, cool. I, I think that's kind of the, the the main conclusion that you get it. to like, the point where like I found myself on some Pearl Jam fan forums looking up for this song, and it's just like the white whale for so many Pearl Jam mm. fans to find uh, even a live version with Eddie singing huh. yeah, and apparently right. it has happened because people have been like oh yeah no he did it at this what you know just records don't exist of it but you know heaps of Pearl Jam fans are it's weird because they, they do a lot of, of bootleg like yeah. the Pearl yeah, Jam shit, bootleg yeah. community is huge yeah, Famous, yeah. famously and wonderfully they mm. do that's one of the greatest things about Pearl Jam is their absolute love of illicit or bootlegged recordings of their live shows and yeah. being traded and indeed sold yeah. they love and that just and endorsed I, by the yeah, band I love, love that a lot going back to what you were saying Andrew about the, the periods of experimentation for bands I often the question that I get is just like, why is it necessary to release that? Like, surely it's possible to, you know, have a recording studio as laboratory and, you know, you play around with things there and you don't necessarily need to show you're working, but all of that experimentation that never kind of... And I'm sure this does happen with some bands. Mm. So I guess the answer must be, you know, like label pressure to come out. Yeah, if you sign and they say, like, you sign for a four-album contract, you've released an album every, like... 27 months yeah. and now it's been four years released the fucking album it's like okay well we recorded these seven and a half songs let's put a few more on there and they're not very good but we, and, and yeah. you can I can I can understand the kind of this isn't you know this isn't us our new alive or or even flow or anything like that not by a long way mm. but but this is where we are as a band and the material might not be the best but we can be proud of where what it means at. to us right now but then you just get back to the thing in terms of trying new things, this is like closer to center than they've ever been. Yeah, I might this try, is just a like, mid nineties pop rock song. Yeah. I, I way prefer like I've mentioned this a few times, but like if you're gonna experiment, go like Neil Young and go from like alt country to fucking electronica. Like yeah, yeah, just, yeah go go wild. Yeah, like, yeah, I, like yeah. as much as like that's not a great Neil Young album and like it's that's okay. Like do whatever. Like if you're gonna say like, oh, this is a period of experimentation, make it a serious like really insane period. Well, that's it because like, what do you expect to get if you're like, we're gonna we're gonna mix things around and you don't actually change anything? Mm. Like, if it's still if you're still just a rock band with what three guitars and you're gonna do the thing that you always do, like, yeah. why yep. would you expect that you're gonna get something special yeah, out let's of that? Uh, yeah. let, let's draw a line down the group real quickly and say it's like the the with the horrors going from Strange House to Primary <laughs> Colors, where they cha- <laughs> two of the members change instruments, the bass player yeah. and the keyboardist switch roles. For those I, who are not, I wonder I if I wonder. If people have different opinions about that. Up after this, <laughs> this is possibly the biggest point in contention in terms of taste within the podcast for those for those listening. Adam mm-hmm. is a huge fan of Primary Colors. David James Young only believes the horrors released the one 2007 record Strange House. Yeah. Happy 10th birthday, baby. <laughs> I like skying. <laughs> I, I don't know what I that is. That. I don't. I don't there's even a, know what that is. There's a foolish man somewhere in the desert who prefers luminous. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I think luminous was alright too. It was alright. But all right. That, you're all talking crazy talk. <laughs> you're talking making up imaginary. Album, the, 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 yeah, we're talking about the band Crazy Talk. Ah. Yeah. 
With For- Neil Old and Crazy Talk. <laughs> <laughs> Neil Old. Do Crazy Old. Town covers. <laughs> crazy Talk. <laughs> come, my lady. Come, come, my lady. Didn't uh, a butterfly. D- didn't. Wow. Uh, that was actually uh, pretty good. Thank you. <laughs> D- didn't a famous singer recently get ejected from a strip club called Crazy Horse? What about <laughs> Yes, yes, he did. If we could perhaps always talk about. <laughs> maybe, maybe let him back into Crazy Horse. <laughs> <laughs> maybe. Uh, is, is that our stand as a podcast? That this is the issue we want to pick up for this season? <laughs> Let them in. Let them stay. Let him stay. <laughs> Real Australians say welcome <laughs> to Shannon North. Real Australians say welcome, Shannon. <laughs> to, crazy to, crazy horse. Horse. <laughs> to Crazy Horse. Enjoy the stripping. <laughs> to Crazy Horse on Hindley Street. <laughs> That's all, anyway. I want. That's all I want for the future of this country. Two cars in every garage. And a nosy in every strip club. A nosy in every strip club. Every crazy horse on my And every album that isn't Strange House stricken from the record. <laughs> Clothesline out the back, rounder out the front. Nosy in crazy horse. <laughs> in an old rocking chair. <laughs> Did he bring that in? Who gave him that? <laughs> I had a rocking chair. <laughs> All right, this is Frank Bennett at number. <laughs> I I thought this song was fine. Like I like the fact that Eddie took a knee. I'm always fascinated. Uh, we we talked about this briefly uh, in our in our private Facebook group that you are not invited to. Um, Except Nolsey. Yeah. It, oh, Nolsey is a hundred. Hit us up, Nolsey. Yeah. We're gonna change the name of the group to Crazy Horse, and we're gonna let awesome. and we'll invite him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> let him back in. We were talking about uh, songs by yes. uh, bands uh, where the lead vocalist uh, lets another member do it. So uh, people like Keith Richards and Mike Mills from R.E.M., uh, Darren from System of a Down. Mm-hmm. True. You know, just the classics, really. Some are better than others. <laughs> yeah, yeah. In the order that you mentioned. <laughs> indeed, indeed. Mate, there were some I'm- really famous examples, like some really big songs of which, of which that is the case, right? Yes, uh, Toto. Uh, yeah. Africa. They usually had two main lead vocalists, and uh, for that song, uh, another member of the band sang lead vocals for it, and they were just like, okay. So, like, there's a shit ton. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it's just a, a little fascinating detour for, for bands to do. I kind of like the fact that they, they switched it up a little bit. I, I really like, I like the chord progression. Like, yeah, that's pretty catchy. And yeah, like, obviously, like, he's not supposed to be like a qualified like lead singer or anything like that but the fact they just threw him a bone just shows that it was like fuck it we'll try anything you know like one element that really sticks out for me as just like being again not Pearl Jam is just the falsetto that's just wildly un-Pearl Jam is anybody familiar with the no code record yeah I, I assume correct me if I'm wrong this works a bit better as a song on an album than it does as a standalone song. Yeah, which is weird that it was kind of a song that Triple J got behind. Mm. You know? Well, yeah, and also it wasn't a single from what I can tell. It, like, yeah. it wasn't actually released as a single. Like, the album itself didn't sell well. It was Pearl Jam's least, mm. you know, lowest charting album that they've released, mm. you know. So I think, like, yeah, you're right. The inclusion of this in the Hottest 100 for this year, kind of interesting. Yeah. V for the Curious. B, I reckon. Vote for the band. Yeah. Well, we are going to be having a look at another Pearl Jam cut not too far away. Yeah, next oh, week yeah. we'll have some more positive and it's, terms. It's to a throw bit about. it's a bit more familiar ground. Yeah, yeah, not, definitely, not- definitely. But yeah, like uh, I'm pretty stoked that we get to talk about I Alone again, you know, like they did such a, <laughs> such a good job with it. Yeah, they- <sighs> All right, at number 96, this is Frank Bennett. <laughs> at number 93, this is Skunk and Nancy with All I Want.
Duncan Anthony at number 93 in the 1996 Hottest 100 with the song All I Want. And all I want is to know what Andrew McDonald thinks. Oh, I thought that was going to be much nicer for a second there. It's okay, David. Um. <laughs> Andrew's a cunt. Um. <laughs> <laughs> all I want to do is to fucking fuck horrors conspiracy theorists. <laughs> After hearing this, I, would, we, I went back and listened to I Can Dream just yep, to same. go have some familiar ground of skunk and Nancy. Skin's voice is way less engaging here than it was on I Can Dream. And like I think the music is also less striking. Mm. This, to me, played far more like a straightforward 90s rock song than the more like off-the-wall, beat-driven sound I thought the band built their sonics around. This works what it sets out to achieve, I think. And like so many really politically active bands, even like your, your modern politically active bands, like your mm. Rage Against the Machine and stuff, because mm. so many of those bands have those songs that are easier to sell as hits than they are as like your more explicit activist tracks and this yeah. kind of is one of those I guess like this is just a pretty alright enough 90s rock song and I didn't think Skunk and Nancy were a alright enough 90s rock band I thought they were way more interesting and experimental mm. even In if it's face. not always successful like I thought they were a, a weirder band than All I Want Don't MP3 like Skin's voice was so fucking cool on I Can Dream and here it's just a singer this is a song that's easy to sell as a hit and that just happens to be what it is I guess it's not like a it's just not a remarkable track in any real capacity, I thought. I agree with you, like, 90% of the way. I, th- I still think Skin's... That's still an A grade. Yeah. Uh, you did, you did fine, it. man. You did, you did real good. I think that, like, Skin's voice is still probably better than a vast majority of other s- singers who would have tried to tackle this song or whatever. I, but I totally agree, considering that this was a band who we talked about last time as hanging their hat on the term clit rock as yeah. their huge big thing and the, the the subversion of cock rock within the last song that is played upon in that term was so so clear but here it's just kind of like there's not enough genitalia involved it's too clothed it's a little plastic mound like oh, on a candle. Yeah, kind of, you know what? It is. It is. Another episode on another complaint from Adam about not having enough genitals in the studio. <laughs> Listen. So problematic. You know. I thought this was perfectly fine. Okay. Like it's not like gonna fucking set the world alight or anything like that, but it serves its purpose and like skin has enough personality to get this over the line for me. Yeah, I know like, I do agree. I do agree. Yeah. Yeah, she's like, still she's still a jewel in the track, I think. When she fucking like gets up into that higher range it's just like, God damn girl, all right. Yeah. I'm into that. I guess she's kind of working with like pretty generic kind of territory. <laughs> there are times when this literally sounds like a garage band sample track, like the thing that you can kind of put in like a loop yeah. and then just like yeah. Like Casio tune number seven. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's just weird to kind of look at this band and be like they were like massive for a time and like they had like a really strong following in Europe and shit. You, you just listen to it now, it's just like it's a product of its time so much that you can't really put yourself in the mindset of being at one of their big like festival shows mm. and like mm. hearing this come on and everyone going like full bunter for it and being like, Oh yeah. Nah, that makes sense. You can do that with a band like Pearl Jam. You can do that with your sound gardens and that sort of shit. Frank Bennett, you know, just the just the <laughs> usual like big swinging arena filling kind of bands. Cover bands. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, exactly, exactly, exactly. But there's just something about this that just doesn't go, yeah, this was huge. And you can tell that this was huge because it's still getting played today. Oh, and, well, no, it's not. So, mm, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I'm just talking shit. No, um, you were nodding yeah. very. I don't know. Yeah, what's your favorite horrors album? <laughs> Nathan's been doing a lot of nodding. Yeah. I'm pretty much on the same page as everyone else. Like I think skin does some good work, particularly like the end of the chorus. And there's some nice verse yeah, lines yeah, as yeah. well. Like she's still a good singer. A lot of personality. Um, like, yeah, absolutely. You, you could have had far, far less personality invested, but because that's what the rest of the song sounds like. Mm. Like it's just pretty generic nineties rock song. And it's just frustrating that they traded. There was a lot of edge to I can dream and it just feels like they traded. <laughs> Away, yeah. Uh, for I don't know what, like a sing-along chorus rock song. It's just not quite. Yeah. Within the band's discography and within their catalogue, and if you're putting it inside a live set, you've just come off the back of I Can Dream. Uh, maybe like I wouldn't place this straight after, but two or three songs after, you know, like a bit of a, a bit of a more chill sing-along kind of thing. It's cool that they have this in their yeah. repertoire. Yeah, yeah. But as a standalone in the context of a countdown, especially in comparison to what we've talked about before. That's it. It's just like this is this is a fine track, but compared to what we've already talked about, I find it disappointing. Yeah. Number ninety-two. This is the Mavises with Thunder. Thunder. Anyway. 
my God, Shaggy. What? No. Shogger. No. Shogger. It reminds me so much of something. And I yeah, no, the angel. Yeah. I want to show my, my appreciation. My appreciation. That's what it is. Yes. <laughs> I've cracked it. Oh, speak- he cracked it. <laughs> It was a team Give effort. me some credit, you yeah. piece of shit. Elementary, my dear Deej. I solved the mystery. <laughs> the Mavis is at number 92 in the 1996 Hottest 100 with a song called Thunder. We're all around the same age in this room, so I'm going to go out on a limb and assume that the people in this room are familiar with the 1998 classic by the Mavis Sisters, Cry, as in... Maybe. The maybe. So, so the funny thing is, it sounds, maybe. it sounds completely different soft to this maybe, song. Right. It was like this big 80s pop sounding song. So like to go back and like find out that they were doing completely different shit before that is so, so fascinating. So th- uh, that maybe song was the only one you'd heard of the Mavis Sisters? Yes, indeed. Right. Well, it was their big hit. Um, and it right. came quite late into their career. Sure. Um, so they, I think they split up like maybe a year or two after, like it was massive. Mm. Yeah, when you've just been doing shit for ages and ages and ages. I don't know, it's like uh, the, the winner's spoiler alert of this year's Hottest 100, where they only had a hit in 2004, 10 plus years into their career. Not even their song. You know, but you know, like I, I, I love that though. Like I've, I've, I often bring up, like in terms of contemporary music, it, it seems to happen less that bands exist for a fair, a fair amount of time before they crack it. Now it's always like you yeah, like, like playing the horn the on their debut album and yeah. shit. Yeah, bands do that a lot more now, and I love it when bands don't do that. Pulp around for like fifteen years before Common Movement People was a song. That's awesome. Yeah, it's so good. Yeah. I love that narrative as well because it's just kind of like you just keep doing what you're doing and it yeah. pays off. Like it, it that's Big a time. that's a feel good. Yeah, I like thing that. to hear for anyone who's trying to do anything yeah but also like you hear about and we're all like... trying to do something well even at this point for this song for the Mavis they've been doing it for nine years nice there you, you know? go like I said they've been around for ages yeah. can um, I make a prediction about your taste in this song mm. you liked it that's correct yes um, <laughs> yeah because it sounds like the breeders yes oh <laughs> yes. uh, I didn't even make that comparison but yeah uh, but it yeah, does really clear yeah I have a brand people I think if breeders is in your brand it's a pretty okay brand yeah, <laughs> yeah. If, if breeders are not in your band, grow up. No Kim, no deal. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I really like uh, the way that Becky's vocals play off the guitar chords. It's weird because her brother is the other singer, the appreciation man. And he, My appreciation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they're, He's shaggy. They're, they're, He's yeah. the shaggy. He's the, shaggy, yeah. Because it, it's, it's, just, it's, yeah, it's yeah, yeah, very yeah. similar AKA melody. Frank Bennett. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so they're a brother and sister and they share lead vocals throughout the history of, of the band. It's cool to kind of see the progression of that. And like, uh, Becky doesn't always, you know, sing lead, but it's cool when she does because she kind of just has like a vulnerability to her voice that can also kind of play into like something with a bit more bite to it. There's like a sting in the tail, like it kind of pays off for that big fuzzy chorus, you know? Mm. Yeah, it's like really, really cool to see the progression of this band, like going back to this and then seeing what would become of them later on, etc. They're just one of those obscure 90s groups. You only remember them because of their ridiculous name. Because <laughs> they didn't do what you sh- you're supposed to do if you're doing a plural and, it's st- and it finishes with S. You just put an apostrophe at the end and then you don't add an yeah. extra S. But they added the extra S! Well, I it actually, depends. Because it, if it's it, like, if you're talking about Jesus's cup, you would do that. This is grammatically correct if it's like... If there are three Mavis if it's, if sisters. It's, if it's Mavis's something, yeah. If it's a single person called Mavis and they owned one thing, you would... Uh, Punctuate it like this. Sorry, that's no, not. No, no, no. I, I also that's spent some time. Real. I was like, "Is that is, is that like a bit, or is is that actually legit?" And it can and it can be because <laughs> now let's play. Is that a bit, or is that legit? But but it works, particularly when it's names like um, Joneses, like keeping up with the Jones. Like Joneses, you can definitely have the two S's going on. Mm. So yeah, it's not it's not a hard rule, and and I I like that they did S. Like it's it, aesthetically, it sticks out, and yeah. 
And Mavis was a cat that oh. kept coming into their rehearsal room when they oh. were rehearsing back in Ballarat, mm. which is where these guys are from. The Ballarat, the Ballarat cat. Rat cat. Oh, my God. Is that a bit? Is that a bit? So I think that this song, the guitar tone is kind of fuzzy with acoustics. Yeah. Love it. Her voice is cool. Yeah, sounds yeah. like a Breeders track. But then, bam, the dude's vocals come in and make the song crap. Yeah. I want the only child remix. Yeah, <laughs> same. There's no problem. Same. I think it's very nice of Becky to let her brother sing in the song. <laughs> yeah. We all like family, but come on, Becky, grow up. He's dragging you down. It's just, I, I, it must have been a parent. Why yeah. don't you let your brother sing sometime? Yeah, it's fully that to me. Like, well, he... look, because I'm trying to actually make it as a musician. <laughs> Why don't you let Stone sing sometime, <laughs> <Yeah>. Eddie? <laughs> <laughs> I think the other stuff musically that's going on at that part is so based that I don't actually care about his. But, but the drop and that fuzzy guitar and the slide. Can you imagine that? if it didn't have his voice? No, I don't care. So it, I don't care it at all. It happens first. Like, the yeah. first drop is just her going, uh, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. That's perfect. That's all I need from that yeah. bit because it's so good. I don't I'm actually just mind. I don't mind like vocals. Eddie Vedder going home to his parents for Thanksgiving. It's like I was talking with um, Mr. and Mrs. Gossard, <laughs> and yeah, it'd be, I think it'd be great if you let Stone sing once in a while, don't you, Eddie? <laughs> fucking hell, I hate coming home for Thanksgiving. Yeah. yeah, okay, mum. Yeah, I will. Yep. <laughs> I will, Mrs. Eddie. I, I, you're like you're like three or four albums in, and I just like I just still I, I'd love to hear Stone sing a song. And then he comes in rehearsal room, and then Stone's just there. So, um, did your mum say anything over Thanksgiving? <laughs> yeah. How was Thanksgiving? How was Thanksgiving? <laughs> did you talk to your parents, Stone? Oh, like I might have mentioned something. <laughs> well, you'd have this song, yeah. Here we Mankind. Go. <laughs> I'm sticking on Dude Love and Cactus Jack. Hey. <laughs> yeah, I think that this song could have been a terrific. Cannonball-esque groovy piece of like Do the 90s vocals ruin it that much for you? But like I just think that bit's crappy. It's such an egregious change in tone for me that I'm like, you know what? And this Whoa! It feels really affected yeah. when the rest of the song is natural. has a lot of warmth yeah. to it. So does that like does that drop the song below the line? For I think both it drops it from like a great song to a good song. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. I still really enjoy it. No, I'm still, I just I'm have still to kind song. of Think about something else. Yeah, it, it, it changes. It changes yeah. from me raving about a really excellent song to me having notable critical complaints. Okay, yeah, so I have to complain about it. I quite like it. While he doesn't sound good, good. I don't know. I, 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 I don't think he sounds bad. Is that I, a bit? Or is that brutal. A is that a bit? Yeah, look, I I don't mind. I think the energy he gets across is. Awesome. Maybe his voice is not outstanding. I don't think it's bad. I I think it's still fine. Sure. And I think like the tongue in cheek, almost rap style of the whole thing. Like I, I think it's a cool little element. It's a notable note for the tone of the song. It makes it less serious. And I think it's important that the song is not as serious as the other bits. Sure. I think like the way it lowers the seriousness of the song in that bit makes it more playful and makes it more fun. And it communicates something different to what it would be had that not been there. I think it's an essential part and one that I'm actually pro. Okay. Yeah. And I think the song is amazing. I yeah, think it's yeah. heaps of fun. I'm, and, and like so clearly connected to what is now a sound that I recognize for this time in Australia for alternative rock. Like I hear the Mavises and I think, oh, great. You guys are excellent friends with a bunch of other bands that we've talked about. You know who they time. are good friends with. And Def with. FX. Hey! <laughs> but everyone seems to have toured with Def FX. Like, yeah. that, that's a common note that I'm getting for Australian bands around this yeah, time. If you haven't toured with Def FX, you haven't done shit. <laughs> <laughs> Which is making me just like have this weird kind of love for the Australian music scene at this time. Like just all these inclusions and all these songs. Like, man, that must have been really great to see a show where these guys played and tumbleweed. And you get to go home early because Def FX are headlining. <laughs> It's like you're being in high school and assume that all the bands you like are friends. Yeah. <laughs> I, and I really think that the bands yeah, I like were friends. friends. I really think that they were. <laughs> I also just really like the quote that uh, came from Matt from the band uh, describing why they why they formed it and why they performed music. And they said, like, this was just a way to get away from Ballarat. And I was just like, cool. You're Rude. Like, go, sick bird on Ballarat. But it's just <laughs> yeah. kind of like, if you but if for someone who grew up in a small town or whatever. No, no, I, yeah, like, I get it. And, you know, like. For, you know, going back to like, they've been doing it for nine years at this point. It's like, cool, you guys just love doing this. There's a reason Nick Cave broke in Berlin and not in Ballarat. Yeah, and not in his hometown of Warachnabil. <laughs> yeah. Berlin, not Ballarat. The Nick Cave story. <laughs> Is that a bit? <laughs> no, we're good. We're, I've got it in the can. <laughs> 
the, the Adam Buncher story. <laughs> we can get Frank Bennett to do the theme, surely. <laughs> that, would that, be, that would be incredible. That's the dream. No, but he'd get it, he'd get it wrong. Is that a thing? <laughs> oh my god. Is Why would you say that, Frank? <laughs> And number 91, this is Barry Adamson with set controls for the heart of the pelvis. Adamson uh, with set controls for the heart of the pelvis at number 91 in the 1996 Hottest 100. Question to the panel. Anyone want to tell me what the fuck is going on here? <laughs> oh, yes, I yeah. do. <laughs> what, a, what, what a fantastically Ooh, weird, bizarre song to open Barry Adamson's solo album. <laughs> that uh, opens that's the, the album. That's the lead track, yeah. And nice. closes, yeah. It's bookended, yeah. I think. Oh. Um, <laughs> this, like, just quickly, Barry Adamson has had a hand in some of the most brilliant rock music of the 20th century. He was in yeah. Magazine, incredible underrated post-punk band. Then he was in The Birthday Party. He was also in The Bad Seeds. Whoa! Um, yeah, he was yeah. a bad seed. Huh. Yeah, br- brilliant post-punk experimental musician. Mainly plays bass and drums and also sings. He's yeah, right. top, top artist. Did he do any of the production work for those projects either? Because he's also a producer, right? I don't believe he did. Right. Yeah. Um, okay. But those first two magazine albums that he's on are just stone-cold classics and he's also in Birthday Party and Bad Seeds. So I'm obviously in love with the man. <laughs> yeah, and like this, say what you will, it doesn't sound like a Barry Adamson song. <laughs> like, no. this, this is not what his music sounds like and I think that's just fantastic. This is... Weird disco with Pulp's Jarvis Cocker. Is being that a, who it is? Yeah, being a sneering, lecherous, uh-huh. like it's Jarvis sexual deviant. Goddamn Cocker! <laughs> yeah. What the fuck? And that's why he says, "Can't you see my name rhymes with Elvis?" Which it doesn't. And yeah. he says, "Come on, Jarv." Yeah, come on, Jarv. <laughs> come on, Jarv. Even Rep- when I was Rep- listening to it, I was just like, "I bet this is someone I know." Hang on, who is this voice? And it's like, you know. She came from the the. I, I thought it was someone Chris. doing an impression first. It's like that's that's a pretty good Jarvis Cocker. Because <laughs> like it's, it is, it's Jarvis Cocker yeah, doing yeah. a Jarvis Cocker yeah. impression. Yeah. That's because a better way it's to put the, it. It's the that's same it kind of Jarvis that he does on like a couple of pulp songs. One of my absolute favorite pulp songs is the B side, Cocaine Socialist. where it's kind of spoken word about how the new label was trying to lure him into being like a spokesperson <laughs> and they just did heaps of coke and he just like, sucks. But it's heaps spoken wordy. It's the same kind of thing here. A, also referencing the Pink Floyd. The Pink Floyd classics <laughs> of the controls of the heart of the sun. Um, but the controls of the heart of the pelvis. Like, it's so over the top weird old man sexual deviant that I can't be critical of that usually problematic thing because it's just it's so punch and judy version of sexuality yeah, like, yeah. you know what literally the first thing I thought when it when it kicked in and we had the the astronaut grab and the beats and the strings it's like 
this is sleazy spiritualized. Yeah, <laughs> fully. Yes. It's sleazy spiritualized. It really yes. is. It's sleazy yeah. spiritualized. Yeah. Ladies the- and gentlemen, we are grinding in space. Fucking yeah. <laughs> hell. Like, the... Like saying his bed <laughs> smells of damp towels and asthma inhalers. I'm like, it's, Jarvis, you are trying to lure nobody to bed. Like, yeah. It's so wild. But you know what I you know what I actually get from it, which is marvelous to be able to get across. This is an internal monologue. This is like someone who isn't a rock star, who thinks they're a rock star, who thinks that they're desired in whatever getting themselves off. Like, yeah. And then you just, it's just amplified even further by the choir, the over-the-top choir singing Save Me From My Own Hand. Yeah, Save Me From My Own Hand. What? Yeah. This is a song about jacking it, and yeah. it's amazing. <laughs> An often appreciated part of musical au revoir, songs about jacking it. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah and like about- the, the insane over-the-top disco beat, like it's such a dated fucking beat. Like you hear it like, oh, like it's such a 1977 beat. Like, yeah. Oh, wait, it's okay, mate, in the mid-90s. Yeah. <laughs> it's the perfect uncool, cool song. Like it's the kind of something you know that in 996 to put this on at a party the person with impeccable music taste would put on this song at a party because it's a Barry Adamson the dude from the Bad Seeds yeah. doing like doing disco with the guy from Pulp like the guy who knew about this song in the mid 90s was the coolest person at the party and were, but it sounds so fucking uncool cool, hey 90, 91 <laughs> in the hottest 100 there were a lot of cool people yeah guys <laughs> uh, Triple J bigging this up enough to get in the countdown it's is great. wonderful like, the music director there would have been like no no it's actually a good song guys <laughs> yeah yeah because yeah. the album itself is <laughs> Is Dicky. insanely eclectic, yeah. and and like no two tracks are in the same style. Had it's, you heard it prior, or did you listen for the lead up? Yeah. Oh, nice one. I, I, this, this is completely new to me. Uh, I yeah. like. I kind of recognised the name from reading a birthday party wiki. Yeah. Who knows when kind of thing. But yeah, also great because Oedipus Schmidipus is the name of a post show. It is um, yes. from a few years ago, uh, theatre right here in Sydney. But yeah, it's just so great. But also, my new favorite thing about this song has just been watching Dave. <laughs> All of this. Epiphany after epiphany. Yeah. <laughs> I guess the reason I really didn't like this song is because I had zero context. <laughs> now you have too much context. Yeah, totally. <laughs> I also want to point out that uh, I listened to this song on headphones and getting old mate right up in your fucking <laughs> yeah. ear. Literally breathing down the fucking Yeah. Thing. I got like, like a, it's the wrong kind of ASMR. Yeah. It is bad it is, ASMR. It is mixed so fucking close. <laughs> it's, oh my yeah, God. It's fully recorded on binaural speakers, right? Like, like it's his, so fucked. He's sneering in the headphone. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah. Like, there is a part where he's just making weird sex noises. Yes. yes. He's like, jacking he's it. Literally, <laughs> he probably was. Yeah. <laughs> You know, like that famous story of like the downward spiral by Nine Inch Nails. Like, uh, some yeah, the man yeah. with the gun. How there's a porn star like flicking herself off in the studio, brought in by that. your friend and mine, Mr. Tommy Lee, <laughs> because Motley Crue were recording in the studio next door, and they probably demand having porn stars. Obviously, it goes without saying. So they were just like, "There's only one way to get this realistic, Jav. Let's let's oh, do this come shit, on, Jav." Come Jarvis on, yeah. Cocker, yeah, he yeah, is. Yeah, literally come on, Jarv. That's that's that. That was the end game. I found this creepy, and like I didn't know if it was a joke or not, and like I had no context. I also was thinking that Barry doesn't rhyme with Elvis, so I'm just like Jarvis oh. on the other hand. Yeah, Jarvis is Completely. at least slightly. That's a that's a slant rhyme. I believe, yeah. Term. So, did you get into it by the end though? Do we, were you at all seduced? Look, he came, he, came, he came, but I was asleep by the time he came. <laughs> yeah, that's my story. Thanks for listening. <laughs> All right, at number 96, this is Frank Bennett. <laughs> that brings us to the end of yet another episode of Hottest 100s and Thousands. Thank you so much for listening. Thanks to FBI Radio for having us. Uh, before we get out of here, we are going to pick our favourites and our least favourites and we're going to start with Nathan. Look, honourable mention to the Mavisuses because, you know, if not for having brother, then, you know, but uh, clear favourite Barry Adamson. I can't not and it's probably very (laughs) obvious what my least favourite is. It is Frank Bennett. Yeah, I'm on the same page as Nathan. Fave, something close to the heart of the pelvis, least favourite creep uh my favorite i'll I'll probably go with thunder like uh, i thought it was pretty cute i just want to show my appreciation uh for it uh least favorite probably baz hey uh all right i won't buck the trend i will also have (laughs) even though i didn't really hate uh mr frank bennett as much as as much as y'all it seems more fair to give it to that than any of the other songs, even if they weren't, you know, great. I didn't like Mankind very much at all, and I thought uh, all I've I already want forgotten was kind about of it. all right. But, but, you know, like, at least they were 
you know, there's parts in context that I can enjoy there, but oh my God, Barry Addison. Oh my God, Jarvis Cocker. What a track. <laughs> what a track. <sighs> well, it looks like Adam's climax. So uh, we're gonna, we'll see you very, very, very soon. Uh, we'll be fresh faced and uh, sprightly and exciting like the first Horrors album and only Horrors <laughs> album, I should point out. The uh, debut final release. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Talk about final release, am I right, ladies? <laughs> Until next time, on behalf of Mr. Frank Bennett. Ladies. On behalf of Mr. Frank Bennett. Ladies. And on behalf of Mr. Frank Bennett. Come on, John. Oh, yeah. My name is Frank Bennett. Keep music creepy. <laughs> Whatever you phone, 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 phone.